0: Hey, this is Johnny Day from Rough Magic, and you're listening to Concerts That Made Us.
1: Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. The podcast, concerts that made us, interviews and stories, tales from the bus, we love taking you back to when it all went down, the greatest live shows and the cheering crowd sound, it's concerts, concerts that made us, concerts that made us.com. On this episode, I'm joined by Johnny Halliday from Rough Magic. If you talk to anyone about South African rock music, rough magic are one of the first names you'll hear so i'm delighted to have johnny here to chat about their latest release she's still a got the history of the band their concert experiences and old oh man a you in for a treat you haven't been to a show until you've been to a rough magic show some of these stories are crazy and we chat about the recent rumors that elon musk purchased the band all this and much more so without further ado let's Get on with the show. Johnny, you're very welcome to Concerts That Made Us. I feel very welcome. Thanks for having me tonight. I have to say, I always say I'm delighted to have my guests, but I genuinely am delighted to have you. Now, you have to be one of the most fun bands out there. Well, I'm glad to
0: hear that. I mean, we aim to be as fun as possible, you know?
1: (laughs) Well, you definitely uh you definitely achieved that. Now we opened the show with She's Still a Got, which were released on the 28th of October. Would you like to tell us a bit about it?
0: Yeah, sure. So I mean, the song itself is very rooted in the um standard uh sound of like I would say the 90s rock scene, you know, anything you would have heard from Caius or Fu Manchu or Queens of the Stone Age, all that kind of stuff but um uh, except for maybe my nasally voice, i've always i keep getting told that that's strange, but it's fine, it's fine it kind of puts us apart from things but um lyrically lyrically it's it were, I took a great bit of inspiration from my wife. she also does the fantastic uh cover art that you see on the She's Still the Go cover, and you know any art that rough magic is ever that because she's you know she's always been. Uh, Goff at heart So I couldn't write A golf song Because I don't know how I can only do rock and roll But <laughs> I decided Lyrically I'd make it An ode to The Goff genre As a whole
1: It's got a great Kind of fun Kind of 80s Ghoulish Kind of sound What was it like Coming up with the sound?
0: You know I I would be lying If I told you I knew exactly What was happening Because it was <laughs> somewhere <laughs> It was somewhere Doing a Delirious haze At some point I was, you know, insomnia and everything that contributes to it. So I was sitting up at one point when I wrote the riff. So the riff was, you know, that just kind of happened. But everything that came with it, we had that, uh, we had that idea of, you know, being like 80s horror movie. We really wanted that, um, you know, it sounds like a, a Mellotron or, you know, some old organ just kind of being stretched beyond what it's supposed to be stretched. That was kind of the point. Just And that's all the background
1: noises this year. It's just all the spooky things happening. It must have got a pretty cool reaction from the fans Then, when you released it, did it? It did. It did. It really did. We. Uh,
0: I mean, I don't know if you've ever, uh, if you're at all versed about how our social media is, but our social media is very much like us, just, you know, we're fun-loving and jokey and whatever. So yeah. that's been kind of the release-slash-rollout plan and also the reception. Everyone's on board. Fans have been, you know doing i would I would go as far as saying doing golf drag because they're not really golf kids but they they've been getting into doing the whole golf thing
1: and that's been quite fun I've, I've been enjoying that whole aspect of it you know yeah i'm actually delighted you brought up your social media because you know if someone doesn't like your music i mean your social media is just worth it for the the laughs you get from it you know, like I've never seen a band with such a good social media strategy. Who's the man behind it and how do you guys approach it? How do you come up with the stuff?
0: The social media, that's all me as well. And that's just down to, again, like the same thing I said about writing. She's still a Gough when not being able to sleep. That's basically what's happening <laughs> with the social media. I get about two hours of sleep in an irregular night and the rest of the time I'm just sitting there you know you know what happens is you sit up and then you accidentally read the news and you think to yourself oh my god this is awful you know the 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 world is ending all around us and then somehow you realize oh wait hold on but there's like little punchline in there somewhere as well and that's <laughs> that's my <laughs> that's my whole game I just sit there and I read something and I'm like oh wait that might be hilarious if we just kind of word it the other way around
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i get i get it totally like for example for anyone that hasn't seen it from the run-up to this song being released the, the posts were hilarious about that to a post about elon musk buying the band to even a comment i seen you guys left on the oz Fest. yes <laughs> <laughs> like oh my god you actually Laugh out loud at it you guys must have a history in comedy or something, do
0: you? No, no it's a, you know what it is you you grow up hard and you just kind of start um you start a, it's a coping mechanism. everyone in south Africa is just everyone in South Africa is a little bit funny, you know so <laughs> just, we've, we've just been channelling that power towards us
1: <laughs> I get you I get it <laughs> now, back to the song. It's your first release since 2020's critically acclaimed The Devil's Cattle. That must have been a very hard act to follow, was it?
0: Um, I mean, in a sense, yeah, because things have changed, um, obviously because of um, what happened with uh, COVID and everything that went down. There's been lots of ups and downs, but not in the sense of following up the music. Like um, we've always, uh, or at least I've always kind of known, what was coming next you know like we're releasing this album and it's coming out in april and we're excited for it it's going to be cool but also at the same time like we're already working on the recordings of the follow-up for it you know so the only thing that kind of um delayed us when was when it was cover time things got hard you know it wasn't always possible to get to where we were going but but the thing is it was a long time in the making you know so it kind of carried over from the Devil's Castle. So, I don't think it's, I don't think it's as tough to follow. But as any Rev Magic release, it's going to not be the same at all. You know, it's going to be uh, very different from the previous one, and then the next one will be very different as well. And yeah, that's something that quite excites us.
1: Mm, yeah, yeah. And you mentioned COVID there. I've something I've come to notice is that a lot of bands kind of started. Just before COVID or started during COVID, as a band that was already together, how did you guys deal with it? You know what? It was a strange effect because before COVID hit, we started
0: um, properly touring uh, Europe in 2018. Where uh, if, between 2018 and 2019, we did four different stints over in Europe where we were touring, playing some festivals and whatnot. And that was great. Um, and then COVID hit and we just kind of got. Um, that's the big thing. We kind of got stuck. Uh, we used to never be stuck in one place for as long. But um, yeah, I think that had the biggest effect on us because then we had to start thinking about, I guess, how to be regular people, you know, <laughs> <laughs> not just fly-by-night jobs and then going to tour in Europe and then coming back to some fly-by-night job. I had to be like, oh, wait, hold on. I have to be a proper grown-up now. And that was that a was weird <laughs> That was a weird thing, to do, But other than that, you know, it was kind of fine, And it gave us some perspective. It gave us some time to focus on writing new material. As I said, like, as we're working up to the release of this album, we're already working on the next album. It's been, yeah, it's been interesting. I don't think, all in all, it wasn't actually a bad thing. Um, At the time, it felt like a bad thing, obviously, because, and for everyone in the world, surely, everyone was like, this is the worst thing that could have ever possibly happened. But... In hindsight, it had some uh, positive effects on the band. I think, which is you know, we'll take that as a win for what it was.
1: Yeah, yeah. I have to say that I couldn't imagine you guys being proper adults. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, even though that's what I said just now, but I'm not being a proper
0: adult right now. I mean, I'm, I've been I've been trying, but it, it, it's weird. Like the closest <laughs> I got to proper adulting was um, teaching kids to play guitar. Uh, which became my de facto job, and that's been fine. No, I, I love teaching kids about rock and roll, but also at the same time, you know, someone comes to me and they start saying things about taxes. And I'm like, oh no, you must be looking for my dad. That's not <laughs> me, surely not. Nice.
1: Oh man! And you mentioned you toured Europe. Not many South African bands get to do that. What was that like? That was fantastic.
0: Also, it came about by. Um, just, just for interesting because not a lot of South African bands do get to do that and I'll tell you how we got to do that is I lied through my teeth like <laughs> completely <laughs> so no no I'll tell you exactly how it went down is um the one in 2018 no it was the end of 2017 I started messaging every festival that does this kind of stoner rock desert rock you know that kind of music yeah. um, that does that kind of vibe I started messaging literally all of them, um, emails and Facebook messages and all of that. And I told them, listen, we'll be on tour next year, this time of the year and this time of the year. So you might as well book us for your festivals because we're going to be there already. We're coming past where your festival's happening. So, you know, book us. Um, why not? And they were like, yeah, sure. The thing is there was no festival. Uh, uh, sorry, there was no tour at all. That was just all a, a big lie. And then a bunch of these festivals came through and they were like, yeah, sure. Okay, we'll book you because you said you're coming this way. And then at the same time, I was sending emails to the tour bookers and venues and whatever. And I was like, listen, we're playing all of these festivals. So you might as well book us to play the tour because we're already playing these festivals. And just by pure dumb luck, all of them got back to me at the same time. And they were like, yeah, sure, we'll book you. And that's how our <laughs> first tour went down. Oh, man. Yeah, you actually couldn't make that up like (laughs) no i really couldn't but it worked out so well and then we got on board with the guys from sound liberation they do festivals like desert fest keep it low you know they're all over the place to do fantastic tours for a lot of cool bands and uh, we got a hold of them and they were like listen we've been seeing what you're doing you know obviously you guys are hustling but you're also liars but you know you're doing well so and then they took over and then they're like okay we'll be your tour bookers and from then the rest of the tours came from them ah
1: geez yeah, so it worked out yeah yeah had a happy ending
0: <laughs> yeah it could, have, it could have gone real bad
1: but no, but it worked out well yeah geez now at this stage in the interview i usually like to focus on my guests musical history so if you can can you remember your earliest musical memory? Earliest musical memory? That's that's a tough one. I mean, I'm sure there's
0: always been music around. But uh, I'll tell you what I do remember. Because I can't re- tell you what the first song is I ever remember. But I had a very... Uh, m- uh, me, personally, I had a strong musical upbringing, good background, where um, my dad was into the you know, all of the 70s standards. So I had my Led Zeppelin, I had my The Who, I had the Moody Blues, you know, um, there was a bit of Black Sabbath, there was obviously some Deep Purple. So all of that was sprinkled in there and that obviously had a huge effect musically. It was a big impact in a direction I would have gone. My mom, on the other hand, um, was into more um, folk type music. and just, you know, proper lyricist as well. So she was um, she was really into uh, Leonard Cohen and Bob Dylan, where I would venture as far as to say Neil Young as well. You know, all of the guys that lyrically had an effect on me. And I think the both of those just kind of melded together to make a big picture. And then I had an older sister who was just, you know, she was a couple of years ahead of me. So she was into, you know... All, all the standards the in the Barna Sound Garden, uh, all of that, what have you? So that just lent that bit of harder edge to it, and I guess a bit of uh, modern vibes. And yeah, so altogether, I think that fused into what our sound became. But I, I couldn't now, if even if you put a gun to you in my head, I wouldn't be able to tell you what the first song is I remember listening to.
1: Jesus, sounds like you had a, a pretty strong musical upbringing then, and. How exactly do you think the music you were exposed to growing up has molded you and influenced you into the musician you are today?
0: Like I said just now, I think they all had an effect. You know, Um, coming from the 70s hard rock and psychedelic rock, there was obviously I borrowed a bunch of the ideas for the riffs and rhythms. It came straight from there. Um, Lyrically, like I said, very inspired by guys like leonard cohen bob dylan um john mcclain is after no, don mcclain not john mcclain sorry <laughs> that, would, that would be really weird no, yeah. no, uh don mcclain like lyrically i was always influenced by guys that were writing really grandiose almost americana type stuff um, but that was also always interesting for me the way they would write a ballad or the way they would bend something down like it's more it's more poetry than it is song lyrics and that for me was quite important and then I guess from the more modern aspects, I learned how to deliver it in, you know, short but
1: sweet packages that just kind of, you know, grind it out but get the point across. That kind of vibe. And at what stage then did you decide you wanted to be a musician, that that's the way you wanted your life to go?
0: I'll tell you, it was around about when I was, I guess, I was 15 or 16, somewhere around there with my, best friend who's uh, Jimmy Glass is the basis of the band um we because we grew up in a really really small town in South Africa which which was very you know um backwards i want to say and very conservative and all that kind of thing and i don't think we really started making music to make music it was more just we wanted to make enough of a noise to annoy whoever was around us enough so they would either leave us alone or you know fight us and then <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so I guess that was that was the ethos at the beginning. It was like we literally started making music just to be noisy, and that was that's what we were for a long time, all through high school up until about 2015. We were just um, before Rough Magic was Rough Magic. We were just like a really noisy punk noise conglomeration. It was gnarly, but it was it was fun. It was fun. And then only we decided, OK, maybe we should start looking into actually learning how to play our instruments, you know, and maybe not just shouting obscenities over the
1: mic. <laughs> I suppose a musician who knows how to play their instrument is a handy thing. All right. It is, you know, especially if you're trying to have a band. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kind of comes in handy. And was it, uh was this it- Hard to find like-minded people, you know, when you did want to make it a band and you wanted to, you know, set things up properly in such a small town. Was it hard to find like-minded people?
0: Um, no, in the small town, it wasn't hard. But like I said, that's because it wasn't a proper band. I just, you know, I just needed the other kids who were fed up and just wanted to make a lot of noise. And we found them really easily. you know. Um, it's as easily as, you know, you kick a can, a can down the street and, the five kids come rolling out. and They're like, "Yeah, okay, cool. Let's let's." let's. <laughs> that, that, so that was that was real easy. Finding proper musicians later on that was a bit tougher, but we did find. It. Yeah,
1: thank God. <laughs> yeah. And as a concert goer, what concerts do you think have made you? So that's interesting. Um,
0: there's been a couple that have had some um, effect, um, but it's been all over the place. I once got to see um, Bob Dylan play live in Tel Aviv in Israel. Oh, man. Yeah, that was amazing. Although at the point he was, um, you know, really old. And I I was just about to say not singing very well, but I mean, it's Bob Dylan, so we weren't expecting him to sing well. But uh, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) but it was still amazing to see just live in the flesh. I was like, wow, this guy's been coming around from the 60s, you know, and I grew up on his music and now I'm here just listening to him play. That was fantastic. Um, I had a, a another great experience was seeing Corrosion of Conformity live in um, uh, France. We played at a town called Boulogne. Um, we played a festival called Rock in Boulogne. It was a great, great time. We played, and then beforehand, we ended up... Um, getting a couple of drinks with the guys of Corrosion of Conformity because I was just being an absolute fanboy, but I was trying to <laughs> hold it in as much as possible. So I was standing there kind of next to Pepper Keenan, and I know exactly who he is, but he's standing there. And I'm like, hey, man, um, you, you, you're in a band, right? And he's like, yeah, I'm Pepper Keenan. I'm in Corrosion of Conformity. And I was just like, oh, cool, cool, cool. That That's kind of cool. But meanwhile, inside, I'm dying. I'm like, oh, he spoke to me. But anyway, so um, we ended up playing... I think two slots before they played um, because it's a small festival, you know, but it's a really cool festival. And Pepper Keenan was watching us from the side of the stage. I remember looking over my shoulder at one point and he was just kind of having a little groove, you know, shaking his hips. And he was like, yeah, this is cool. He he got really into it. And I was like, that's fantastic. Then they played their show and it was absolutely amazing as you could imagine. And then afterwards we proceeded to drink all of the backstage beer and whiskey with them. And um, our bassist uh, Jimmy and Pepper Keenan ended up slow dancing to ZZ Top, which is still to to until today the most surreal thing I ever saw in my whole life. I was just like, <laughs> what
1: is happening <laughs> to my life right now? I hope you have that on video somewhere.
0: We do, but I'm I do not feel we had the liberty to share. It. We've got some we've got some photos where everyone's out of their shirts which we periodically share and we're just like, remember that time we got really drunk with corrosion of conformity? But that's, you know, I never go further than that. It feels like a breach of, you know, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it feels like a really intimate moment. Like, yeah, I just couldn't, just couldn't get it out there. But yeah, so that that was really cool. And I think other than that, there was only one time that a concert really blew me away and it might seem like a um, a strange thing to uh, include but um, there used to be a festival in South Africa called Ram Fest and they would bring over um, good international acts when, you know it was always a highlight of the year and the one year they brought over Biffy Clyro um, and that was the most spectacular show I've ever witnessed you know um, m- musically they were absolutely on point obviously but never mind musicality it was just everything that was happening was crazy never mind and it was a light show and all this crazy stuff but the band was also super lively they they were like doing straight up doing backflips and things it was the craziest thing to watch and i ended up and the reason this one's important is i ended up quitting my job right because i had put in my leave uh, uh, maybe 2 months beforehand because i was working a really really bad you know customer service kind of job or whatever and then the day before this big concert happened, they said, "Listen, you can't go anymore because we're we're suddenly short staffed and you have to be there. I was like, "But I put in my leave a long time ahead of time. They said, "No, nope, sorry, can't help you. You're gonna have to come in." And that was the day before, and I told them, "All right, I'll see you guys tomorrow." I went home. And the next morning I got in my car, we drove straight to the concert. We stayed there for the whole week, and I turned my phone off. and then from there, because I was quite angry at them, obviously. So from there, I went to visit my mom in the aforementioned small town for about a week after this weekend festival. And then from there, I went back to work and I got there and they were like, where have you been? And I was like, (laughs) I had a flat tire, but (laughs) 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 yeah, they were obviously not happy. And yeah, it was this kind of thing. They were like, listen, we're going to have to, we're going to have to do something here. And I was like, I'm going to quit. That's fine. Don't you guys worry about it. So, yeah, that was it. So that's how I saw Biffy Clary and quit my job.
1: (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) And we'll dive into your gigs now. Now, I've heard that your gigs are something to behold. It's an absolute experience where you don't know what's going to happen next. But one thing is guaranteed. It's going to be one of the most fun nights of your life. So as a band what gigs do you think have made you guys
0: that one's hard to say because we've had some we've had some absolutely crazy gigs in a lot of different places we've we've had some really cool ones obviously locally and in Europe as well we've just had some of the most insane things but it's it's kind of on a you know we never know what's going to happen with a gig before it starts happening like there's a lot of things that you can find photos and things online if you look for us. Sometimes I'm uh, riding on the bass's shoulders like a totem pole. Other times someone's climbing up a speaker. It's a, you know, We never know what's going to happen, but it's fun when it happens. But I'm not sure. I don't know what the... I remember one that I hold dearly to my heart, but I don't even know if that's because it was crazy or just because it was really, really intense. We played a show in Austria, we have a band called The Devil and the Almighty Blues from Norway. They're a really cool band. some good friends as well. And I remember that one was wild. There was all sorts of antics and we were, you know, basically running up and down the walls and all sorts of stuff like that. But it was slam packed, like to the brim. And it was right in the middle of that um, 2018 European heat wave. So I remember being drenched on stage from just absolute humidity like you could see this, it was foggy inside of the venue of how humid it was and that was that was a fantastic one but then there was also one in cape town which is one of my favorite to today where we only took the stage at i think four o'clock in the morning maybe which was nice. not. yeah it wasn't on purpose it's just you know it was one of those uh weird nights where we got there and the first band only set up at 11 and everyone was partying really hard with maybe a little bit of help, you know, <laughs> wasn't going to the help necessarily too much, but yeah. <laughs> so everyone was, you know, things were happening, but the crowd as well. And then we were kind of concerned at some point, like, listen, are we eventually going to go on stage? But we did. And I, like I said, it was around four o'clock. We got on stage again to an absolutely fat and raging venue, but it was so people were absolutely absolutely wired was so weird like there were literally people hanging from the wall because there was no place to stand but there was a little ledge on the wall there's just a bunch of people hanging from the wall to watch the show and that was wild and then i remember specifically and this is like a fun thing that it's happened at a bunch of our shows before it became kind of the thing where we're a hard partying band but we also like um We like to get involved with the crowd. You can't see me right now, but I have a broken arm and I just broke it in our mosh pit maybe two weeks ago. Right. Yeah, in our mosh pit, you know, we were playing and like during the song, there's some parts where I get into the crowd and I ended up bailing really hard and I broke my arm. But so this is the thing where we would invite people up on stage. But my usual go-to is like, listen, um, you guys look like you're having a good time. We're having a good time. You know, let's just let's have a fight. Let's just have a good, old, a good old skirmish. And then people are keen to oblige a lot of times. And this one um, particular night in Cape Town, I remember I was leading up to it and people had already seen it coming. So as my mouth ended with the T of fight, I was on my back because somebody had just tackled me, like right on the stage. They just jumped over and just tackled me down, right? And I was still playing yeah. the guitar, but I ended up I looked up into this guy's face and there's no anger or animosity. It's just this kid having the time of his life, like <laughs> smiling from ear to ear. He's having a chuckle, he's shaking me around, he's like, woo. And I'm like, Wow. <laughs> I was not expecting that to happen so fast. And I remember looking up at the band and thinking it was, you know, that scene in um uh what's it now? It's not apocalypse now, is it? Or is it saving private Ryan? The one with the beach scene where everyone's being blown to bits and that guy's. Oh kind of yeah, tape, saving private Ryan. Yeah. Yeah, that was, it was wild. I just remember looking up and seeing our bassist just—you know—he's crowd surfing but also fighting for his life, and the drummer is like kicking at people who is carrying away pieces of his drums. It was—it was really, really, really a sight to behold. And but yeah, that's that's—you know—we've been transitioning into playing bigger shows, not the gnarly club shows. Well, at least in SA, where these things don't tend to happen as much. But. um, yeah, that's I still that's like our lifeblood, man. I like to I like to fight for my show, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. So what you're telling me is I need to like if I ever go to one of your shows, I need to make sure I bring like a helmet and some knee pads and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And a proper
0: pair of boots as well. You know, you gotta be ready. You <laughs> one doesn't simply walk into a rough magic show. You have to you have to be proper prepared. Yeah, it sounds us.
1: <laughs> I have to ask since you mentioned a European gig and a South African gig, how do the crowds and the festivals in Europe compare to South Africa?
0: Look, in Europe, it's much bigger. South Africa absolutely has the spirit. Like South Africa has a um, fierce um, live music and independent spirit, but we're just not as many people that are into um, rock and roll or alternative music, you know? So the scene in the province I live in, which is called Gauteng, it's, you know, you're cycling between the same thousand people going to every punk show, every stoner rock show, every death metal show. It's the same crowd, you know, and it's it's well, maybe not a thousand people, let's say two thousand people. But that's about what we have. But they're there and they're really interested and really aggressive and whatnot. And it's cool. But in Europe, it's just um, it's fantastic. The people are really interested in the music and it's a very good live music culture, but it's also just, they absolutely destroy it by numbers. You know, mm. like and we played a club venue the one night. I remember we played too. I think uh, we were playing with some big bands as well, which I don't recall what night it was, what bands there were, but I think we were playing like to two and a half thousand people. And I was just like, how are all of these people in a club? That to me is mind boggling. Like in SA, we, we have that when we've got open spaces and we've got like festivals and whatnot. We don't got 2,500 people under one roof. That's pretty weird. So in that sense, it's crazy because you, you, I don't know, South African, I think we get really big heads when we go over there because you feel insta-famous, you know, you're just like, wow, there's a lot of people who can't see my band specifically. Meanwhile, they were just there for, you know, maybe the beer special or because they wanted to see the headliner. But still, <laughs> you capitalize on it.
1: Yeah, I get you. And out of all your gigs, now I know some may be hard to remember, but out of all your gigs and gig experiences, if you had to pick one, you would revisit over and over again. Is there one?
0: Probably the one I said in Boulogne where we were hanging with... Um the guys from Corrosion of Conformity, just because of how surreal the whole experience was. Mm. The, I, I'll I'll leave it with you. The gig was terrible. I, I don't think we've ever played as badly in our lives. Right. Like I, 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 I no, 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 for real. I was, I was sick. We were hung over. Um, I had no voice. Everything, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. But we had a smashing time, obviously, because um, uh, we always do. But then, just the whole experience surrounding it was absolutely ridiculous that was you know just like i said very surreal to experience so probably i'd go back to that and try to do the gig better (laughs) but other than that you know the rest of it was fantastic
1: and not to get too negative now but i always flip it around if there's a gig experience that you would class as the worst that you've had how did you deal with it well we just kind of We just
0: always have fun, you know, so we recently went on a tour of South Africa, which is a hard thing to do with rock and roll or just in general. South Africa doesn't have a touring circuit and we decided we'll do it anyway. So we ended up playing a lot of small towns as well, where um, I don't know how to explain it exactly. We Over here, we call them Burdorpe, which just means farming towns, but it's not exactly right. It just means it's the most conservative place you can find. There's not a lot of people. They're definitely not into rock and roll. And if you have long hair, then the devil sent you. You know, it's that kind of vibe. And so we had a couple of those on tour, but we just ended up having the most smashing time everywhere because, you know, what we realized was uh, we would play and then there would just be these bunch of angry, you know, old guys, but uh, sitting behind the bar and just having their brandy and Coca Cola and just checking us out. And then, um we'd play the show and they'd be scowling at us the whole time but we wouldn't mind you know we'd be still running up the speakers and riding yeah. on each other's shoulders and doing the whole thing and starting march on our own because there's literally no people who would want to start a Mosh over there but yeah. then what we found is afterwards we would go to the bar we would drink our couple of bar tra- tab drinks and then these old scowly men would come up to us and they would be like you know what I used to listen to Sabbath in the 70s, and that was kind of reminiscent. I was like, Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, I don't know. I don't think we've ever had a proper negative gig. Like, we've definitely had some really, really bad ones, but we always turn it around in the
1: end. That's the important thing. And, you know, with the amount of energy that goes into your gigs, What's your pre-show ritual? You know, how do you get psyched up for it? And then afterwards, how do you wind down from it?
0: You know what? We go into the parking lot, we beat each other up, and then we know. I'm joking, I'm joking. No, <laughs> so, But that would have, that would have seemed, seemed like it was on brand, right? But no, yeah, it actually um, would have. <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, the problem is we have no pre-gig um, ritual. So after I broke my arm just now with the whole band, we had like a little mini meeting and everyone was like, listen, boys we need to start stretching. Like we need to start doing things because uh, we're getting too old for this. People are breaking <laughs> arms. It's getting, it's getting wild. So um, we don't have any at the moment, but I'm guessing from now on we'll, we, you know, I guess we'll touch our to- toes and do some jumping jacks and whatever, and then get on stage. But And then the wind down is usually just, everyone gets around a table, has a couple of beers. And then we're around the club having a couple of beers. And then, you know, the next morning we phone each other from wherever we ended up and we're like are you alive the other guy's <laughs> like yes i am and we're like good that was a successful gig then <laughs> right <laughs> yeah that that part is serious the fighting in the parking lot not so much but the second part definitely
1: yeah yeah and you know you guys kind of remind me of you know the classic rock and roll gods from the 70s you know it seems like you live and breed rock and roll and especially when you're that extreme that your gigs are like that but how do you balance normal life with say being your rock star selves um i don't know
0: i think there's kind of like a switch in between somewhere where you know (laughs) being poor that's the great leveler you because you play a show to however many hundred or thousand people and you're crowd surfing and you're having the best time of your life and they're like wow this is fantastic and then you know maybe the day later you're standing in a queue a really long queue to buy a bread and you're like wow this is you know that just, that just really brings you down to uh, to earth again so I guess that balances us out because we realize we're not we're not actually rock and roll gods we just like to believe we are um, but we're not so It just balances out. Um, Yeah, as soon as you have to do something really mundane, you realize, oh, wait, hold on. This is normal life. We just have to do it. It's like being in and out of the matrix, I guess. One moment you're dodging bullets, and the next moment you're typing something
1: on a PC. (laughs) That's a good analogy, actually. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. (laughs) From an outsider's point of view, you know, when... From us over here, when we look at South African music and South African rock, you guys are one of the first names that come up. From an outsider's point of view, it seems like you're one of the most prominent rock bands in South Africa. How do you think you get to that stage? Memes about Elon Musk. (laughs) (laughs) I mean,
0: I'm joking, but I'm I'm kind of serious as well. Like it's a it's a, I mean, you have to play hard. You have to yeah that's part of the mundane side of things like i send a lot of emails man like probably a hundred a week if not more just to make sure the name is constantly getting out there i run the social media and i run it hard as hard as possible which includes memes and photos of band and live videos and you know the music coming out whatever it's like it's a constant proper job to just keep it going yeah i don't think it's we haven't had it lucky just yet, you know. Like I'm glad you're saying that it's been working because when you think about a, a South African rock, you think about us as one of the names, which is great, but we haven't been in the situation yet where someone's pitched up and said, Listen, I'll give you I'll give you a million dollars to record your next album and we'll go on tour to Mars and whatnot. That hasn't happened, even though Yeah, don't believe everything you read on the internet. Elon obviously didn't actually buy the bath. but really, (laughs) I'm I'm so sorry to break the news to you here. Uh, But yeah, that's how it went down. No, no, for real. It's just it's it's a grind. It's a lot of hard work and a lot of making sure you're on top of, um, on top of it all the time to make sure you're you got to be in people's faces, especially down here from SA we're so far removed from where any of the live music scenes are happening. We just have to, you know, we just have to push it because otherwise nobody would know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. True. True. And, uh, have you tried to run your hustle, your gig hustle in America, as opposed to Europe? Um, We want
0: to, we, we got some, um, interest from America, from, um, different places. The problem with America is though, um, seems like it would be a fantastic place to uh, run a tour but it's it's so big man it's, it's it's like proper big and then we get we get interest from like both coast but then there's just like this dead spot in the middle where you, you'd be driving for seven days to get to the other side which is just not i mean financially it makes no sense so as soon as we've got A proper touring circuit that we can hit once off, we will definitely do it.
1: I'd say that would really be the making of you guys. If you hit over there, you know, you'd, I imagine you would be absolutely loved, you know?
0: Yeah, well, like I said, we've heard this and there's a lot of people that are quite keen to get us there. But then again, it's just like it shows down the East. I I never know which coast is which coast. It's like California side, there's people that are interested, but then still, it's just like it's, a quarter of a tour or whatever, and then you have to do the rest of the tour somewhere else in the mainland, and that's where it gets tough. But I don't know. We'd be keen to do it. We've we've got a booking agent over there, and we've just been what, recently we recently got a booking agent. So like in the last couple of months, so he's been looking into it. But nothing, nothing before end of 2023 probably because it takes a lot of planning. Also, it's a, it's a big mission for South Africans just traveling in general. South Africa has a really weak visa. Um, Our currency is really bad against everything else. So just in terms of pure investment, the reason we keep going back to Europe is we know what the investment is and we know what the return on investment is. So it's not that we wouldn't do America because we're not averse to taking risks. It's just... I don't know. I'm always kind of wondering if they would approve our visas, because if I was the guy working behind the counter, I would not approve my visa. There's no, there's no chance.
1: <laughs> oh, you just remind me of something there. Um, I went to see a band last week and they're pretty kind of they're a pretty wild band as well. And I was at the venue. And an hour went by, two hours, three hours, four hours later, the uh, the venue came out and said, "Look, the gig isn't going ahead. The guys were stopped at customs and held there overnight, basically." Yeah, you see that this is an
0: actual an actual concern of ours. Every time we travel, <laughs> we did one of our European tours by train because we got to um, we got to where where was it? I think we landed in Germany. And we went to rent our vehicle that we were going to be touring with. And the people were just like, no, can't give you guys a car. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not lying. Like We tried five different places and they were like, there's no way. It can't happen. So we ended up just doing the tour by train, which oh, like, man. it was a hardcore, let me tell you, it was 20 dates by train. We had to like all of our gear on and off the train the whole time. It was really intense. But it was, it was a fun experience, but yeah. So then after that, you know, when we would, since then, when we got for tour, it was like I would shave my beard beforehand, make sure, you know, we were dressed in, you know, regular people clothes. Like, go in and be like, listen, <laughs> we just want to rent a van just for a little bit. So, yeah, I still think we're getting like bad insurance premiums or whatever, but at least they're giving us the cars now
1: yeah yeah i was going to say would you not have like thrown on a suit tied up the hair, and went hello i'm here to book a car
0: <laughs> yeah
1: exactly <laughs> like
0: like three guys getting into one overcoat and we're like yes we're we're one adult human
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man <laughs> and i have to ask so in 30 years time right when you picture yourself you're at the end of your career. You need a Zimmer frame on stage. The fights are getting harder. What needs to happen for you to feel fulfilled and like you achieved everything you wanted to achieve?
0: Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm 30 years of age right now, which is not great, but it is where we are. But I, was, I always um, catch myself and I'm like, you know what, let me start at Motorhead when he was 35. So I still got some time in me. And that's also my back so 30 years of time would mean i was i would be 60 Lemmy died at 70 and he died bit, two weeks before he died he was still playing a tour with mojo and they were still going fairly hard so they, yeah that that's how i would want to go like if i don't die on stage i want to die pretty close to it like a
1: true rock star yeah well <laughs> the best i could do i'll see how it goes now <laughs> And uh, I mentioned that earlier on, it just came into my mind. I have to ask since we're talking 30 years' time, how would you feel about virtual gigs?
0: <laughs> I mean, if by then they've invented smell-o-vision so people can just smell me sweating towards them, <laughs> and you know, <laughs> I guess if they could have like a whole 4D experience where people would be standing. Uh, in some more other braids that would make them shake whenever I came close, then yeah, sure. As long as people experience a proper
1: rough magic gig. Otherwise, no, I don't think so. <laughs> right, right. We won't be seeing rough magic in the metaverse anytime soon. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I doubt it.
0: I doubt it. Maybe in the crowd, just booing at uh, <laughs> fake gigs, I guess, but otherwise <laughs> not happening.
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And what are your plans for the rest of the year and beyond? What's locked in?
0: So for the rest of the year, actually, because I've broken my arm, we're taking it a bit slow. That being said, I broke my arm and then we played two shows before I had realized it was broken. <laughs> and the doctor called me a dumbass, which, you know, <laughs> that happens. But I was like, you know what, fair enough. Um, so then we did that. Then we did one more gig <laughs> after I got the cast. And then <laughs> the boys in the band were like, listen, we're pushing it. This was getting a bit too much. So uh, ended up agreeing with them. So now we're taking a little bit of a rest period, working on the next album while the current one is not out yet, um, doing some recording and stuff. And then uh, from there, we're doing two end-of-year shows at um, There's a cool festival over here in the mountains. It's called Smoking Dragon which is every New Year's. They've got a big festival. Um, so we'll headline that for New Year's Eve. Like we're literally playing as the, you know, we'll say Happy New Year and then we'll bang out the show. And the night before we'll have another one. And then, yeah, other than that, I'm in talks with the guys from Sound of Liberation to book tours for next year. So for this year, it's literally, it's the two more like New Year's type shows and then um, a lot of recording in the downtime, because I also can't sense all, and I guess, I don't know, we'll start a bar fight somewhere.
1: Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> Just
0: try to keep the, you know, keep it flowing. Yeah, exactly.
1: Keep up with the image. <laughs> yeah, got to do it. And on a serious note, how long do we over in Europe have to wait before we see you guys again?
0: Okay, so, we're aiming, it's probably going to be somewhere between the stretch of April to June, depending on what kind of package we land ourselves on um, and what kind of festivals we get into. We're in talks with a bunch of people, but it, you know, it all has to line up. That's the thing. Like a uh, tour routing needs to make sense and all of that. But it seems like it will happen between May and June that we'll have a long run. And then we'll do um, Europe
1: and the UK is the plan. Oh, man. Do me a favour. As soon as you have the dates locked in, send me a message or get warrant. to send me a message because I will travel anywhere in Europe to see you guys. I definitely want to see one of your geeks. Will do, but where are you? Southern Ireland. It's right down the bottom.
0: Okay, so you're going to have to tell me what the biggest thing is closest to you. Either Cork or Dublin. Dublin would be the main one. Okay, Cork or Dublin. I know both of those because... South African education is good, but um, <laughs> no, but that's cool. Okay, so we'll try and get over there as well. Obviously, we're gonna try and do um, because obviously you guys are actually included in Europe as well. Which is interesting about Ireland is um, you guys have a um, policy with essay where we don't need visas to go there. We can just we can just travel over everywhere else you need visas yeah so well i mean we got a 30 day period but the type of damage i can do in 30 days i don't even have to tell you but i mean so we we can literally come over and um, play some shows in ireland just with no visas at all we just need to book some plane tickets
1: if that's the case why aren't you sitting here in person doing this interview
0: (laughs) (laughs) because listen plane tickets are expensive still yeah (laughs) but on On that note, though, if you do know some promoters in Ireland that would want to book us, send them through to me or myself, or Warren, and we'll hook them up on our tour as well. So we'll get in there as soon as possible.
1: Brilliant. Brilliant. I'll uh, I'll have a look around and see what I can work up.
0: Yeah. And then we can have a follow-up interview.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. In the middle of a fight on stage.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Depends how good, how good are you with, you know, I just don't want to damage your equipment. But if you can run around with the mic just at, you know, mouth height, we can
1: make it happen. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll i get practicing on that. <laughs> oh, man. Right. We'll, uh, we'll jump into the last couple of questions. So if you could see any performer from history in concert for one night only, who would it be?
0: I would probably want to see Freddie Mercury right when he was in the prime mustache era. You know, yeah. that, was, that, was, that was a good era. Um, and he, he, knew, he really knew how to sweep, uh, sweep up a crowd. But that being said, so yeah, I'm going to go with Freddie Mercury. But if it wasn't Freddie Mercury, I would want to see Iggy Pop. But I didn't say Iggy Pop because I still have a chance to see him
1: probably. He's not dead yet. So we can make that happen. Two very good ones there. Yeah, I'd love to see Iggy Pop myself as well. But I think I'd prefer to see Iggy Pop young. You know, when he was kind of more crazy. No, well, I kind of like. I'd
0: kind of like to see him now because he's spent the better part of his career to make his skin look like elephant leather. You know, and that, <laughs> that takes some dedication. So I, I'd be really keen to just see that in the flesh. You know, but um, yeah, obviously he's not doing all of the crazy things. But
1: still, it would be cool to see. It would. It would. And the next one. If you had to spend 24 hours locked in a room with any musician from history, who would it be? Um Beethoven.
0: Right. I wouldn't be able to annoy him with my current with all of my um crazy rants, you know. Well, I mean, I guess I could still annoy him in other ways, but he would just kind of be quite chilled and then maybe i could see him play piano which would also be cool
1: yeah yeah (laughs) who knows a a collaboration between beethoven and rough magic could actually be pretty sweet
0: i mean that'd be cool electric light orchestra did it we might as well
1: yeah yeah (laughs) and what song would appear on the soundtrack to your life soundtrack to my life
0: uh you know that closing scene in um, which Monty Python movie was it, where they're singing "Always look on the bright side of life"?
1: Oh, the Life of brain.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that would probably be it. Uh, I hope I don't. You know, I hope it doesn't end quite in the same way. But uh, yeah, I, I guess <laughs> something like that. Um, no, yeah. I guess it would be that if if I didn't say something silly, I would have to say something a proper sad. Which and I can't even think about it right now. So. Um, I don't know it would be that or something by
1: Leonard Cohen probably but let's keep it light let's make it that okay good choice good choice listen it's been an absolute blast now I've really enjoyed chatting with you for the last hour yeah it's, it's been fun I wish all interviews are like this it's, it's just been a, a,
0: a proper chat <laughs>
1: why hello there i'm about to make a prediction and that prediction is you like podcasts if that's true then make your way over to the cognitive discourse where we have monologues short stories and open discussions and every now and then i get a little ranty if this sounds like something you're interested in then go check us out we're streaming on all major platforms and hell we're even on youtube new episodes out every friday i hope to see you there